All right, welcome back to the Trumpet Speak Podcast. I'm your boy, Gerard. Um, the Trumpet Speak Podcast is about, well, whatever we want the show to be about. Um, the goal of the show is really to show that we're not too different. Um, and so we try to bring up some conversation, have some topics, talk about some things that we don't really hear in the mainstream media, give a different perspective, um, and just share our thoughts on things so that you can go and have a conversation on your own um, with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers. And today I got a special treat. One of my good friends, Lavelle, is with me on the podcast. Um, and so Lavelle, you know, one of the things that we always talk about, um, especially when we get together, is the NFL. And since the season is over, the Super Bowl has won. Patrick Mahomes has already gone to Disney World or Disneyland. I imagine he went to Disney World because he was in Miami, so that's a short drive to Orlando. Um, I just wanted to get what you thought about the NFL season this year. Uh, man, I think it was pretty crazy. I think looking at the emergence of um, guys like Lamar um, over there in Baltimore and just looking at the consistency, seeing how Kansas City would work without having Kareem Hunt. And then uh, you just have so many guys just rise to the occasion. Um, a season without Andrew Luck, that was pretty hard for me. Huge oh, wow, fan. Yeah. And just watching uh, Dallas with this up and down, of course, that's my team. And just not knowing where the future lies, even seeing a coaching change. I never thought we would get this time to see uh, – us finally getting rid of our head coach and um oh congratulations so by the way i don't think of, i ever told you that well i won't say congratulations we don't know but he was definitely average and with the talent level that we have we need somebody to get the maximum potential from that team but overall i think it was a great year definitely fun watching the baltimore Ravens and just watching so many new teams start to emerge seeing the decline of tom brady um oh, it's about time I respect his game, but I think it's about time for new guys to emerge. And I think uh, looking at Russell Wilson, that, you know, just seeing him becoming the standard. Uh, of course, you got, you know, Kansas City and um, everything like that. But I think Russell Wilson has done it for much longer. And I think he's starting to get the notoriety uh, as eventually becoming the best with Drew Brees getting older. And like I said, and Tom Brady getting older. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're starting to see new faces. Come on, did you say Russell Wilson is the best? I think Russell Wilson is becoming the standard with Drew Brees and for consistency. So, so Aaron Rodgers just doesn't exist anymore. Well, you got Aaron Rodgers to me um, when it comes to, I'll give you that, but I think his thing is, well, we'll put it for Skip Bayless. One of the things that, even though we call like to call him a genius, um, statistically, he throws the ball away more than anyone else. So, um, the reason he doesn't have these interceptions is not because of his completion rating and quarterback rating is because, I guess you, you could say it's smart. He throws the ball away a lot. So does Tom so Brady. Are, no, that's what I'm saying. His numbers are drastically higher than anybody. Like Aaron Rodgers does it the most. So when you look on paper, the fact that he throws the ball away most is he's not throwing interceptions because he's not trying to make that big play. He, which is smart. I'm not trying to take that away from him. But when you have guys like, um, Russell Wilson, who's just, you know, a magic man out there. Uh-huh. Um, so you got a lot of guys out here who are willing to make that pass and throw it. Tom Brady does not throw the ball away as much as um, Aaron Rodgers. So I think the knock against Aaron Rodgers that's coming to light is that he's a selfish player. He's a stat stuffer, um, which is why I wouldn't mm. necessarily say to me he's a standard. I do think he believes in winning, but I don't know if that trumps him – Making sure he's like 
He reminds me of we were talking about basketball. He's like the Carmelo Anthony of the NFL. Except he has a ring and he has MVPs. So then he can't be the Carmelo of basketball. Well, we're talking about how he perceives stats. And uh, yes, you could say Carmelo does have the ring, but I think the the talent are the. We're not switching subjects here, or switching sports, but I gave him that because of the mentality, not necessarily because of the accomplishment. I think those guys are about their numbers. Um, yes, their energy, their goal when they come into the game is to win, but I think they would mm-hmm. like to win and have their numbers at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I think the most uh, the most impressive thing this season was definitely Lamar Jackson, and I'm hoping it wasn't a fluke. I'm hoping, like, this is who he is. He's the new, like, Randall Cunningham, Michael Vick. Um, I hope he's know, a hope- – uh, I'm, I'm with you on that, not to cut you off like that, but I hope he becomes a even better passer. I hope that as his career progresses – he actually runs progressively less and less and passes more and more because the honest truth is I, I I think that it's sustainable to have a running quarterback, but not in a sense. You don't want your quarterback to run between the tackles and you don't want him to be your main route, main way to um Move the ball. Yeah, you don't want him to be. They got good running backs over there in Baltimore. That's that's what makes the offense so well. Makes the offense run so smoothly. Yeah, but he is your leading rusher. Yeah, I know. I understand. I had Mark Ingram in my fantasy team, so I I'm with you. I know that they have other runners. There was a a little bit of time where Mark Ingram led the league in rushing touchdowns, Um, and so I understand that it's still other running backs there. Um, But for me. I just don't want a quarterback. I don't want a quarterback who I think can be um, the MVP multiple times and win a Super Bowl. I don't want to see him put himself at risk in a regular season game for what happened to RG three to happen to him. Because well, the difference. Go ahead. No, because what happened to RG three destroyed his career. Like he doesn't get hit by Haloti Nada like that. He plays more football for the Redskins as a starter. Um, and he has the opportunity to develop to develop as a passer as he has developed as a passer. You know well, what I'm one, saying? One, he shouldn't have been on the field. And two, uh, his issue was he believed in those little toys in his locker room too much. And the fact that he thought he was Superman and then just because you're strong in the gym, mm-hmm. but you're built, your waist, you're built like a track runner. You're not built like uh, Dak oh, yeah. Prescott or somebody's Cam Newton. So he would run into players. You don't see... Um, and then he has what's he's there to also help mentor Jackson, but I don't think yeah. Jackson because he's a cautionary is, tale is man. against right. He's not obliged to going out of bounds or sliding, which um, uh, RG three just thought he could do anything on the field. When you're playing with men of equal talent to you, I think he was unaware, and I think he did that to himself. And secondly, he shouldn't have been in that game with that brace on his his knee. To get oh, that yeah. to oh, you aggravate to to, the injury even in the further, playoffs? when he got yeah. right when he, when his career is basically over after that, that was on the coaching staff and him as well for trying to come back. Yeah, when he should have stayed away. First of all, he shouldn't have got hurt. When he got hurt, he was trying to he should have ran out of bounds. That's how he got hurt in the first place. And then when he got hit by Holodnada, he shouldn't have been in that game. So when we're looking at Lamar Jackson with that speed, I think it's okay that he runs. As long because you got to realize people um, mistake the fact that Steve Young is one of the leading rushers at the quarterback position. Uh, Randall Cunningham, who played a, a long time. So these guys were all runners of the ball. 
um the uh what's his name the head coach uh god he used to be the head coach for the the cardinals and now i think he's an offensive coordinator somewhere where he has like the rushing yards in college and i think he oh you're talking about um uh byron leftwich very no 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 oh, no, no. leftwich was not a runner the, i know uh, but i just the, figured you was talking about him because i can't think of nobody no, else leftwich could not run they used to call him uh michael brick two left feet <laughs> he's from the dc he was area not a running though, quarterback. Is... right he was a pocket passer um he doesn't get enough credit as well, and I think they did a terrible line with him, but that's a whole mm. other story. Well, Jack Del Rio is a Jackson, offensive coach as a head coach, but that's another conversation. We're right. Um, but I don't want – Lamar Jackson is not my favorite quarterback of this era. Mm. It's definitely um, – Kansas City's quarterback. Oh, I don't uh, know Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes is the complete package. He's about 6'4". Yeah. Uh, he actually, has the size, the cannon. Um he in the decent speed, so I think in the IQ, I think that's the thing that matters. All right, so the, the ability the, to read a defense. I got two things to say, and I don't want to forget. That's why I'm cutting you off. So, when it comes to Lamar Jackson, I think about Michael Vick when he played for the Eagles. He had that one amazing season, put the ball everywhere he wanted to put it, and he he his scramble drills were insane. What ended up being the death of of his career as a football player was. He took too many hits. Like, in the pocket, he took hits to the head, to the knees, and the refs never called it. Um, Michael Vick? Yeah. And I used to scream at the TV. I mean, if you want to look at the tape, you can. Like, there's shots where he takes, he gets hit in the chin. He's, like, he's getting demolished by defensive players, and the refs don't call anything, so they continue to hit him the same way. Um, And eventually, he's taking so much hits that he's like, I don't want to keep playing football because I'm going to die. You know what I'm saying? And when I look at Lamar Jackson, I think that's what he's up against is refs saying, well, he's a running quarterback, so we're not going to protect him like we protect the stationary quarterback. And so we're going to let him get hit differently because we know that these the defenders maybe are taking a shot at him, but the honest truth is we can't prove it because he's so elusive. So he's going to get hit in the knees. He's going to get hit in the head. And when he becomes a runner, we can't protect him with the quarterback rules anyway. So that's the thing about Lamar that I'm most concerned with. To me also, that what were you about to say? So so here's where I disagree with that. Mm-hmm. The thing that ended Michael Vick's career is him going to jail. What are you so saying? He came back and played for the from- Eagles. Right, but it doesn't matter. That time that was elapsed between him being the Michael Vick experience and losing that time being in football shape and playing football and coming back as an older individual, two Ooh. years or two to three years of missing football is like dog years in sports. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm not going to disagree with that point that, that hindered or messed up his longevity because he had to. He basically became a free agent. No, one, no team was loyal to him anymore, and he messed up his image. But he definitely came back. That was the year that the Packers won the Super Bowl and they beat him in the playoffs and it ended his magical run um, as his comeback because he had a great comeback story. He learned his lesson. He did his apology tour for Pito, whoever it was. And after that, he played great football for a year or two. I mean, statistically, the, the MVP part of his return was in the first half of the season. Now, if you remember that season, he cooled off during the latter. He was the MVP front runner, and then that died down when he started his first pick. He started to throw a little bit more. Then he became human. 
So yes, it was a great return story, but it wasn't like, oh my god, like it, it was like, oh my god, it's Michael Vick, but it wasn't even even the glory. It was just that he was a better passer. It wasn't even like the shine from young Michael Vick from Atlanta. That was something unseen of ever. Like you'll probably Lamar Jackson is cool as a running quarterback. Uh I didn't watch Randall Cunningham, but Michael Vick was something else. Like that game against the Minnesota Vikings, his speed. Now I think guys have caught up. Like DBs and linebackers are almost as much. When Michael Vick came, that speed was almost nobody else had it on that defense outside of DBs. Like nobody was catching Michael Vick. All right. So, so now, in, 20, in 2010, I just looked up the stats. In 2010, he had a hundred uh, passer rating. He threw for 3,000 yards, and he also ran for six almost 700 yards so he he did his thing i'm not saying that he was um he didn't become a like he wasn't a legend but he definitely held his own and then the following year he threw for 3300 yards and ran for almost 600 yeah, yards my point is the, the michael vick that the difference between the michael vick and atlanta and then in the michael vick with the eagles is that like a lot of people don't know the story that michael vick said he never took his playbook out of the trunk in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. I remember so, that story. Right. He was just going to the field and was like, all right, I'm going to make it happen. I'm Michael Vick. I'm like, so gifted athletically. There's nothing I could do. I could throw this ball. I could run. So I don't need to really read a defense. I could just see the open guy. It was really simple for him. So mm-hmm. the difference with the Eagles is that he took playing football more serious to the point where he was like, okay, well, I need to know what it means to read a defense and understand where the safety is going to be. Mm-hmm. Understanding his man versus zone, so uh, that's the the transition or the dynamics that we've seen. Lamar Jackson, yeah, but the the, the has part, that the part that you're mi- the part that you're missing too is um, that Eagles season. He only played twelve games, and he threw for three thousand yards. Um, and when he played for the Falcons, he never broke twenty five hundred, uh, except for t- t- uh, two thousand two, where he threw for twenty nine. Um, and then after that, he never he never broke twenty five hundred yards again. So and, the point that I'm saying again, the only difference between the Eagles and the Falcons is that Michael Vick took reading defenses, basically becoming a passer more serious than because mm. basically what I'm saying is he could have did the same thing with the Falcons. I'm not disagreeing with that. His, he never opened his playbook. But when he started so, taking stuff seriously, my point is this. When he started taking the game seriously and became a real threat running the ball and passing the ball, he he flourished until he started taking hits. Then he couldn't finish seasons. And, and it got, like, he, he did 12 games in 2010. and 11, he did 13. And in 12, he did 10. And in 13, 12, he did 10. And in 13, he did 7. So he got injured. It, it wasn't that he was... My point is, I don't want Lamar Jackson to have that type of effect because once you're a threat running the ball, the way you get hit and the way defenses hit you is different from a, pack, a pocket passer. Because when you look at it, the guys who last longer in the NFL as quarterbacks are pocket passers because they don't take that many hits, and the type of hits they take are different. Because Tom, like, key example, Tom Brady has never really gotten blown up. And when he does, it's very, very few and far between. Even when he takes a lot of sacks, he falls down before the defenders get there. He doesn't get hit in the head. And after they change the rule, he doesn't get hit in the knees. 
But if you look at a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, he's always getting hit in the head. He's always getting hit in the knees. He's always getting beat up because he's a different type of quarterback. And that's the reason why his skill set has diminished so much um, because he, he's taken a beating. Now, fortunately for him, he's a bigger guy. But even Cam Newton, you can see his skill sets diminished because of the injuries. And that comes from getting hit. And so I'm not... And I know we've kind of gone way off topic here, but like for me, I'm not trying to say that I think that uh, uh, Lamar Jackson will not be a good quarterback. I'm saying that I don't want him to take the risk of getting hit more often than he should. And the only way you can mitigate that is by not running as much and eliminating the running threat until it's absolutely necessary. So if you're going to run the triple option or you're going to run the option or the read option, the goal is I'm only going to run this in a situation to keep the defense honest because they know that I can do it, but I'm not going to do it, or I'm going to put myself in a position where we only run these plays infrequently enough that it's a surprise to the defense. And this is where I disagree. And so what I'm saying, don't even connect the point, because even using Michael Vick, Mm. the point that I'm making to you is that the, the the things that make Lamar Jackson who he is, it's part of it, is the running. It's 50-50. He's a dual He's a dual threat. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't consider Patrick Mahomes a dual threat. He's a passing quarterback that can run. I agree. That's the same. Now, Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson is a running threat and a passing threat. You would so say they're equally one, as he's equally as dangerous doing either. He one. is fifty fifty. So if you take away the run, I don't think he's that elite of a pocket passer to where if you eliminate how much he runs, that they won't narrow like broke down the defense on him to mm-hmm. shut down the pass. It's okay. the ability of having a running offense and quality running back with a running quarterback that makes his passing open up for him, which is mm-hmm. why I'm bringing up Michael Vick, because if Michael Vick was actually studying the playbook, we would have saw what Lamar Jackson is doing in Atlanta. But we, we're seeing the balance of the two with Lamar Jackson because Michael Vick didn't take it serious. So no, I, I see what you're saying. This is right. the first time we've actually been able to see a dual threat quarterback that runs and passes and he's proficient enough at both With to make it work speed yeah. and smart enough to but, get down so but are, my point is seven years mm-hmm. from now is he going to be healthy enough and not been hit enough to be able to continue to play the sport the same I think way he will i think that's, that's my concern RG, i think he will i think that's why rg3 is there okay. i think rg3 learned we'll have to like see he should have got down and so I think that, and if you watch Lamar Jackson play, he does not try. He to doesn't run take hits. Over. Yeah, he doesn't take hits. He right. gets out of bounds. He, he slides. Yeah. He goes out of bounds. I'm, he my, uses his speed as a weapon. My only thing, my concern is, I think that he could in the next three to five years, I think he'll win a championship because that team is built f- around running the football. And the honest truth is, if you have a dynamic playmaker at quarterback or at, or running back somewhere on the field, it can make the difference to win championships. And they have that. I just think that this guy can't have a 15-year career if he is consistently a dual-threat quarterback. He's going to have to be – I can live with a a 75-25 a, a threat quarterback. Like, I, I just can't live with a 50-50 because it's just – like, he can't throw the ball 25 times and run the ball 25 times. You see what I'm saying? Like, that, that's too much contact. He can't run 15 times – and throw the ball 30 times. Uh, he could run yeah, the ball. That would diminish maybe in the latter of his career. 
but I think with who he is now, with all the mentors that he has, mm-hmm. and the fact that he is willing to listen, he, mm-hmm. people don't know he has Michael Vick in his ear. He has uh, RG3 in his ear. And the oh, yeah, I agree with him that. And somebody like a Andrew Luck and Cam Newton. Cam Newton and these big quarterbacks, they always think they can run guys over. Cam, the thing that when what's his name, Taurus, lacerated his... Uh, his uh his abs mm-hmm. that was because he tried to run over somebody when Andrew Luck got hurt because he trying to run over Cam Newton. Cam yeah. Newton gets hit but he's running, he's taunting people and they're taking shots at him instead of mm-hmm. getting out of bounds. And uh same thing with uh Ben Roethlisberger. These guys wanna run and, and try to I'm bigger yeah. than you and you're taking Yeah and it works for the, the first first the five, six years and then it catches up with you. And my thing is I don't want it to catch up with Lamar because I watch I plays eight years. I watch I watch guys go at Lamar's knees and his legs. And I'm not saying that they're doing it in a dirty sense, but they do it. But let me let me just change the subject a little bit because this is what I've been thinking about. Deshaun Watson, to me, is the most slept-on quarterback in the NFL. And I'm saying that knowing that people think very highly of him. Because he can make every throw, he don't go down easy, and he's got wheels. I think he's probably the perfect He's the middle ground between Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. And that's the sad part. He's the middle child. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about him and realizing how great he is. Yeah. And the two people I'm thinking about are the two opposites. You got the right. guy who right. throw mm-hmm. who can run, but he, he we think of him as the old school. I yeah. think of Patrick Mahomes as like a, a, a Steve Young, a yeah. Drew Bledsoe. These guys, Joe Montana, they're gunslingers, Brett yeah. Favre. They're slinging the ball around. Then I see... Your boy Lamar Jackson, I think Michael Vick, Randy Cunningham. I'm thinking right. about all the guys who could run, and then mm-hmm. you got the guy in the middle, right? That the is middle the middle child who's always forgot. Yeah, and the, the truth is, his biggest downfall is that he doesn't throw the ball away enough. He'll take a sack before he throws the ball away, and and that's that's his that's that's going to be a problem for him if he doesn't do that. And I think honestly, a lot of people have dismissed the Texans from all the stuff I hear. Is people really don't respect Bill O'Brien? And I don't, I don't watch enough Texans games to say that I agree. Um, but it does, to me, look like, why is your the future of your franchise for the next 15 years um, getting hit so much as a quarterback? That's a problem. You need, to, you need to draft. You need to find some free agents. You need to do something to protect this guy. Because if you don't, you're going to mess him up. Um, and that's something that bothers me to the T. Um mm. But let me change the subject a little bit because since we're talking about you. black quarterbacks, I wanted to talk to Seems you. Seems like we are, right? Yeah, we. I mean, unfortunately, well, we definitely are. Yeah, it wasn't on purpose, but that's the way it turned out to be. Um, but throw Kirk Cousins in there if you want to. No, nah, he's trash. Um, <laughs> they think he's not though. People he's he's, he's the great. he's a he's the the epitome of average. If no, he's the epitome of inconsistency. Well, no, nah, he's consistently the same he's been. I'm no, I don't, he, let me change the subject. I want to talk to you about uh, <laughs> Dakota Prescott um, because I know you're a, a Cowboys fan. Um, and this thing has been bothering me ever since it happened in the beginning of the year of the football season. And it's this. Every time someone talks about Dak Prescott getting a new deal, everyone keeps telling him to not take like you hear the media bring this narrative up of he shouldn't take the money that that he should that that would be what he's marketably worth what the market would say he's worth because if you look at who he was drafted around you look at what he's done as opposed to his contemporaries he is equal 
greater or equal value to Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, and you can say the average between whatever their salaries are in average, you could say Dak Prescott is greater than or equal to that dollar amount based on what Jared Goff has done and what Carson Wentz has done. And so I wanted to hear your take on the fact that people are always asking Dak Prescott or making this narrative on the national airways that Dak Prescott should take less money. Well, let me say this. Um, I don't think maybe he should take a little less, but when we first got Dak Prescott, I was ecstatic because mm-hmm. I feel like Romo, as much as I loved him, was a heartbreaker. He'll get you to the playoffs and he'll make you think they're going to win and he's going to do everything, then he's going to lose. Or he'll put forth this great effort, but mm-hmm. he can't get over the hump. Man, I, t- I so, try to tell you, man, I loved watching him play in the playoffs. I hate the Cowboys. <laughs> it's okay. Him drop. And anyways, I don't want to relive uh, those moments. Uh, really so wanna, I really want to. I really want to do one. I just want to relive one moment. I'm gonna let it go though. We'll, I'm gonna let it go. Let's talk about that later. So we'll we'll talk about this. <laughs> so Dak Dak comes along and it's like this energy. Him and, and Elliot. It's just beautiful. I'm like, yeah, get him out of here. Sorry, Roma. I love you, but you gotta go. Mm-hmm. And then I start to see his why he's a, he went in the fourth round. It's because he's not he lacks certain. Um, let's say he's not as talented as we thought he was. He's he's good. He has physically size. talented. He, you mean? No, his arm. His yeah, arm that's what I mean. Physically talented. And, and, with the, okay, right. Because physically, he's he's a great size for a quarterback. Um, solid speed, mm-hmm. but his arm strength, his talent, his ability to consistently um, read the defense is inconsistent. And mm-hmm. so, Romo was much better at just letting it go understanding where guys need to be, um, getting guys the football. Dak understands he's more of a, a lesser version of Tom Brady, where it's a timing offense where there's these quick slants and there's this route. You know, mm-hmm. he's more, instead of reading defenses, he's more like trying to hit his reads as far as, just, okay, I know that this happens here, instead of knowing what this guy is doing and changing the plays around. So um, I think he's limited in that. And so what, But he's the best that we have now for the cowboys in a connection he's a great leader so for mm-hmm. you to remove him from our offense would be detrimental to the chemistry that he has built with the defense and the offense i don't think you can find another guy for the cowboys that can replace him and i'm just talking about that on the chemistry level as well mm-hmm. you might find the talent but you might you won't find the leadership and you so know, if, I think if we are going to pay make- him it's because of he's good enough but he makes the team work because of his leadership. So let me ask you this. Do you think that he's as talented as Jared Goff? Uh, Arm talent? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, but okay. again, these guys are still young. Mm-hmm. So Jared Goff needs to show me more because his, his first year was trash. Then he had a good second year. And then the third year was quality. But then he has a lot of ups and downs. He has the talent. Mm-hmm. But then again, if I took both those guys and combined them, that mm-hmm. would be an elite quarterback. If I took Dak's leadership skills and his passion for the game. His and size and his ability to move right. in the pocket and run. And, and gave that to Jerry Goff with Jerry Goff's talent. Oh, my God. Okay. We, 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 so, man, I'll be Aaron uh, Rodgers. Out there let me ask you this. Without the selfishness. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> um, do you think that Dak Prescott is as talented as Tom Brady? Physically, no, but I, yeah, I think he could be that. Do you I, you mean, remember, you think he that he can make every throw that Tom Brady can make? 
No, see, this is what y'all, you guys are forgetting. Tom Brady was a seventh round pick, not just because he had a terrible body. His arm strength was not that great, and even even in the pros, he developed that over time. Now, does that? No, have that's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you no, that on purpose. So I'm gonna say Dak is more talented than Tom, Tom Brady. Brady was coming out of the draft at this point in his career. Dak Prescott is more talented than what Tom Brady was at the same time. I got you. No, I'm only gonna say physically because Tom Brady developed quickly. Okay. You know. No, that's fine. So I, I got you. I, so, so I'm gonna say this before you switch that. I'm gonna mm. say he has that ability and that playing style mm-hmm. if he focuses to kind of be a Tom Brady, a game, an elite game manager. I know they hate that title, but that's what they are—an elite game manager. He can become that. So here's the thing for me: I look at Dak Prescott, and there's a couple of things that I think have been unfair toward him. Number one, we've all talked about how bad the coaching has been in Dallas. We've talked about that, and it's not a secret that we think that the whole America feels like there's been bad coaching or very mediocre coaching in Dallas, and we're telling Dak Prescott that because you have not, and I understand you're talking about talent, but in general, people say because you have not achieved in the ultimate team sport where the coach has the biggest effect on the game, because you have not achieved, do not take the money. And then if you say it's not be, it, you're, you are not talented enough, here's my counter argument to the talent piece. I was listening to somebody say this and it made the most perfect sense to me. I was watching, I think, ESPN or somebody, something like that. The guy basically said, in the pro level, everybody is talented enough. And the difference between um, the most talented in the NFL, the, the elite talent, and the above average into the average talent, if you're not the uh, you know the once in a generation type talent, the delta between the two won't hurt you because you're still talented enough to be in the NFL. So my point is, Dak Prescott can't throw a laser um, forty yards down the field across his body. He can't throw a. You, I would imagine you're really saying he can't throw an out route. Um, a 15-yard out route and put the ball on a laser on the sideline where only his guy can catch it. Or he can't throw, uh, he can't put the ball in the bucket 50 yards down the field if the guy is covered. That's what I'm guessing you're saying is the difference in his arm talent. He can't do those special type throws where he puts the ball only where one guy, his guy can get it and he can do that every day out of the week. The thing thing The thing for me is there are very few people that can do that. And in the NFL, you can still win without that ability. Because if I really look at the tape, more times than not, when you look at Jared Groff, Carson Wentz, um, and the young quarterbacks that are now in the league, except for maybe Patrick Mahomes, and sometimes Lamar Jackson on a throw here and there, um, and sometimes with Deshaun Jackson with a throw here and there, most of the guys are throwing, most of their, their completions are to open receivers. They're, they're, they're eating off of the fact that their scheme is getting them paid. And it's unfair to say, well, Dak Prescott, because your scheme did not let you be flourish like these other guys have, we're going to limit you because you're not as, your arm talent isn't as great as a Jerry Goff if you, if, you, if you believe that Jerry Goff is more talented. To me, no one, no one said... When Jared Goff got paid, or I didn't hear the commentary, hey, Jared Goff has been living off a running game, 
and his he should have never gotten paid. Did you see how bad he was when he was under Jeff Fisher? Make him earn a franchise tag him because he obviously hasn't earned the money. Now, in my mind, I feel like the Rams decided to do everybody a solid because they went to the Super Bowl. They're like, hey, look, we believe in you guys. We want to let you know that we're committed to you. We're committed to you injury-prone running back, which is obviously a bad investment, but we want to do right by you. <laughs> We we are also because we committed to the running back. We're also going to commit to you, quarterback. Because we committed to Aaron Donald already, we're going to do these things just to show you that we respect you, which is good to do for a team. I like that. But the problem is, from a media standpoint, they should have been killing the Rams for paying um, Todd Gurley and for paying Jerry Goff. Jerry Goff hasn't proven himself. He has three. You make the argument that he has three elite wide receivers and the the greatest offensive mind in the game. Of course he's going to throw the ball around. Of course he's going to get numbers. Of course he's going to throw touchdown passes. You can make that argument. And then for Carson Wentz, the man can't stay healthy, and he only had one good season. Another man won his Super Bowl. He didn't win that. The, the, but I, th- I feel like they paid Carson Wentz because they were like, we want to instill confidence in you that you're our guy. And so they paid him – Really, I think was fool, foolhardy, but they were probably backed up against the wall because Carson Wentz probably felt like he wasn't loved by his team and his teammates. And his, the team itself made a commitment to him. Like, look, we're going to go with you. You're our guy. And so we're going to pay you. Keep going. But Carson Wentz is the most talented of all these guys. Your name. Oh, of course. He plays like a black okay. quarterback. Oh, excuse me. Did I say that out loud? Not no black quarterback. Uh, he doesn't scramble like a black can, quarterback. He doesn't move like a black quarterback. The only problem. But I don't the, even care about his speed. I'm talking about the overall totality. No, no, he is the most talented. Right. He can physic. Okay. He can do the most out of the three of them. The difference, though, between Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott is Carson Wentz makes bad decisions. Car, I, I've been meaning to say this to you. The reason why Carson Wentz gets injured, and I won't count the concussion in the playoffs against him because it's kind of hard to do a head injury against a guy, but you kind of can in the sense of the man does not know how to live for the next play. <laughs> he doesn't, and that's the, that's why he gets injured, and that's why he throws picks, and he said it himself. He's got to learn to not be a hero in every play. He's not, he ain't, he's not built like Deshaun Watson. He's not built like Cam Newton, and he's he's not as – He actually has a big – that's uh, a uh, solid frame. Yeah, he's but he's than, um, yeah, but so so was Andrew Luck. And look at Andrew Luck now, like. But that's because him and Cam Newton like to run guys over. Right, but the NFL. difference is Cam Newton Not is still one. playing in the league, and and, and Andrew Luck well, was tired of getting injured. Well, if you look at what happened last year, not to switch subjects, Cam Newton. Him trying to run people over is catching up with him. Yeah, but the, but making about Lamar yeah because Jackson. of the uh it's because of the point. shoulder. But this season he got messed up because of the, I think it was the foot. He injured his foot and they just didn't want to bring him back and hurt himself more. Um, but then no, they wanted him to come fired. back. He didn't want to come back. Oh, that was the storyline. Mm-hmm. Okay, well it makes sense. He keeps getting injured. He should. T- he basically said, "Let me get a year off. I'll be back. Let me get right. my body right." Hope he cuts his hair when he gets back, cause I'm tired of that. He's not gonna. But but go ahead to your point. For me, like when I look at when I look at Carson Wentz, the reason why I'm okay with him getting paid is because Nick Foles won his Super Bowl and got his Super Bowl MVP. And you you can't you couldn't commit to Nick Foles. You couldn't. Not after you yeah, did everything yeah. you did with Carson Wentz, and he showed you the potential that he could be the greatest. He could be the best quarterback in the league. But at, at the same time, I look at the three of them and I say that Dak Prescott is probably going to be the one that wins 
wins a ring as the starting quarterback first. I appreciate that. Now, I pray that that's true. Because I've been mean, just like these Chiefs saying, we waiting 50 years. We ain't been waiting 50 years, but we have a team and we need to win. Yeah, I, I didn't say he was going to win. We need to get it before they're old. I didn't say he was going to win it with the Cowboys. I just said he was going to win it. The way they treat him now, going. the way they treat okay. him now, he might leave. No, I'm just joking. I don't if he leaves <laughs> he go to if the he leaves the Cowboys, no. <laughs> okay. That, let me tell you why that would work. See, you, you're taking me right into my point for Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. So, Dak Prescott, the correlation between Dak Prescott and Tom Brady is they flew into the right system for them. Mm-hmm. And so they are system quarterbacks. I don't care what nobody said. They are both system quarterbacks and they're game managers. Now, Tom Brady mm-hmm. maximized his talent because of the point that you made. So I'm agreeing with your point. Mm-hmm. He had an amazing coach of that course. took his abilities and made it fit for his system. Right. The so most important player on the field is the coach. You know, I'll say that. Right. You, I... need, you need Dak Prescott needs a system that allows him to flow and so, therefore, you can let Ezekiel Elliott do whatever. But if you got Dak Prescott, he has a wide receiver. He, mm-hmm. he has his tight end. All right? He has his running back. slot he receiver. Everything yeah, he, needs. he needs an inside threat, he, an outside threat, and a guy he can hand the ball off to. He needs the system. And so, yeah. I'm hoping now that we're – because Wade uh, – not Wade Phillips, but um, Garrett was, was – I don't know what he was. Let me just tell you that. He was just – he is the definition of mediocrity and averageness. Right. Well, maybe because they should pick up Kirk Cousins. Any... They'll be perfect together. <laughs> As a head coach? No, <laughs> to me, he's average to you. Kirk Cousins is inconsistent to me. I think he has moments where he looks elite, and I think he has moments where he looks like he shouldn't have been drafted. But that's another Well, that's what he looked like since he's been drafted. But keep going. <laughs> to you. All right. But so with Dak Prescott, the thing is this, man. He needs a system, and he needs something to where he can practice it every day mm-hmm. so he can master it. And so once he masters it, then he'll be able to free range and flow. He's not a he's not a gunslinger. He's not he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not right. a guy that once he's not uh, Russell Wilson. But he's he can make he can happen. make off schedule plays. He's just he can't make a living off of off schedule plays. Yeah, that's not him. But he that's can do. He know has the ability for. to do it. It's just that he cannot do it. He can't. The game can't game plan can't be around him making off schedule plays. Right, Tom Brady has like four rushing touchdowns. We get it, <laughs> so we know that he can run and he's faster than him. So right. we know that he can run out the pocket. He right. can make he can make an occasional throw. Right, when he's running outside of the pocket or moving. But the thing with Dak Prescott is even he can move outside the pocket, but he needs to be set. You know, he's a guy that has to have his feet set. He has to be count through his progressions. He's very fundamental, mm-hmm. and so with that. This is why he looked more talented than what he is. If you put a system in place for him where he can follow it step by step, he can become an elite game manager and we can win a championship. He can he can run the offense and give the ball to Dak. We can balance it out. We got a great defense. And so if we could get a guy who can just put something in place for this guy, he's a studier. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys that where he works with Kevin Kevin Durant thing is um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm-hmm. That is Dak Prescott. Where his talent lacks, what got him into the fourth round is his work ethic. Right. Because we all believed in the hype. His rookie year, I thought he was the golden child. And then when Romo left and I saw, like you said, he couldn't get the ball. It's not Dez. Let me defend Dez Bryant. It was not Dez Bryant. It was Dak Prescott. Right. But Tony the diff- Romo to, to that Dez knew Bryant how to point, get him the ball. The, the, the Dez Bryant point is you got to have chemistry to do that with somebody. That is not just arm talent. Because... Throwing a 50-50 ball to a guy you barely know is not worth it when you don't trust him. And he didn't get the opportunity to trust Des Bryant. 
and then Dez left. I don't think that's because he didn't have so the arm me, talent to give him the ball. No, I'm going to tell you it is that he didn't have the arm talent because he doesn't even really make those type of plays to Cooper, right? He doesn't really throw the ball downfield to Cooper. The thing is, Romo was a – this is why we call these different categories – was a gunslinger, meaning that he had the ability to throw that ball down there. That's what – Des Bryant wants to go and leap up and get the ball. He wants to jump over you and word on the street. He didn't even really understand the route tree. It's just that that chemistry point, yes. But the thing is, Tony Romo understood the game, and he had the talent to make these passes that Dak can't do. Dak needs timing routes. He can hit you on deep post. He can hit you on the out. He can hit you on the slant. He can hit you on an occasional deep ball, but some more than not, he's going to overthrow you. But right. well, that doesn't He's mean he doesn't gonna... have the arm talent. That means that he doesn't have the deep ball accuracy. And that's something that you can develop with 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 chemistry and time and, and offseason. You got to remember, Amari it's Cooper not... didn't have an offseason with the Cowboys. I'm telling you, that's not it's not it's not there. That's the reason. Yes, he could throw the ball down the field. But the thing is, part of his talent level is him forcing that ball. It's not natural for him. What I'm saying is that's not his that's okay. not his MO. His thing is, okay. I'm not going to throw picks. I'm going to run the offense. The thing about throwing the ball down the field, too, even his mentality is I might throw an interception. He does not like to throw interceptions. And remember the quote from his mom is she told him, well, then just don't throw them. And so he's developed the mentality of not throwing picks. Mm -hmm. But that means you have to run the offense differently. That's the thing with Tom Brady. The difference Mm -hmm. between your guy and Tom Brady is Tom Brady's running a certain offense. Aaron Rodgers is a gunslinger, but he throws the ball out of bounds. Yeah, because it's not necessarily the the system. system. It is. I I, I still believe I still believe that is if you give. I think he freestyled a lot more than you. No, of course he did. No, 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 he did. But I'm saying if you had given him a better system, he would have never felt the need to freestyle. That's my thing. I think he would because he thinks he's the smartest guy on the field. Man, I've watched. Coach. I watch Aaron Rodgers. This is at 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 the height of his disrespect for Mike McCarthy. <laughs> he would run the offensive play, sit in the pocket, watch the receivers run their routes, and after they ran their routes, then he would be prepared to throw the football. Almost like, all right, I know this route concept isn't going to work. All right. All right, cool. It's broken down. You go here, you go there, and we'll do what we got to do. So, in my personal opinion, if you had challenged Aaron Rodgers to do what the system required him to do and it worked, he would have thrown the ball on time and on target. And then when he was required to freelance, he would have. The issue with Aaron Rodgers was great way to protect your your the quarterback for your team. When the articles already came out that the guy changed plays more than we even knew. Like literally on every play, I, I read something where I think a a player was. It might have been uh, Jennings. You know, he always snitching on Aaron. Yeah, Rodgers. no, I hate that. The, Keep your mouth Aaron shut, Rodgers bro. Was changed because he trying to tell y'all Aaron Rodgers is selfish. He will throw you the ball to get the completion and get you knocked out the game. But as long as you catch the ball, he's okay with that. Yeah, but then you could you could make the argument that Aaron Rodgers didn't like Greg Jennings because Greg Jennings was a Favre guy. You can you can make that argument very easily. Like, it's unfair to say that just because him and Greg Jennings didn't get along, that he was not a good teammate. Because no one else talks bad about Aaron Rodgers publicly except for Greg Jennings. Okay, I was you're gonna say publicly because he's not the only guy that yeah, come but, for Aaron Rodgers. But the question There's is, a lot who of players. are these guys? Who who are are these guys still playing in playing for the Packers? Are they in the NFL still? Like, who are these guys? And I mean. I'm a Packers fan. Aaron Rodgers is my guy. I mean, if I met Aaron Rodgers, 
I'd be like, hey, man, I'm going to figure out how to be your friend for the rest of my life. I'm going to figure it out. Now, I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe I need to buy you a bottle of scotch, but I probably can't afford the scotch you drink. So I'm going to have an IOU. I don't know. But the point is, that that's the that's the thing. I don't I don't like going into that stuff because I'm not in the locker room. I'm not a player on the team. And the honest truth is, a guy cannot like a guy because he's he's presents himself differently than the way Brett Favre presented himself. Because Brett Favre was the everyman. Brett Favre is like, hey, let's go fishing. I want to get to know you. I want to get on your level. Aaron Rodgers is not that same type of guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not... I don't know. I feel like this kind of messed up to do that. But let me let's change the subject one more time before we talk about NFL until our eyes turn red or we're blue in the face. Um, I think you wanted to bring up a faith faith based topic. What was it? Well, I think I had a great conversation with a friend of mine, and um, he mentioned that. Um, he's a very spiritual guy, so he mentioned that uh, when it comes to certain type of people in your life, if someone has intentionally hurt you emotionally or cut you, mm-hmm. you need to let them go, get rid of them, remove them from your life. And I thought that was pretty harsh. He's a very um, passionate guy, very poetic guy, mm-hmm. guy who cares about people a lot. So I had to think about that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, so we kind of got into a you know, theological, philosophical conversation. Did you cut him in the um, conversation? Huh? I said, did you cut him in the conversation? <laughs> did I cut him? No, I think I just put it simple. And I said, um, okay, I thought that was so funny. I said, Judas, I, th- I said, Judas, uh, Jesus didn't uh, get rid of Judas. And he was like, yeah, but we're not Jesus. And I said, true. But the point is, that's the standard. That's what we uh, ascribe to be. That's what we want to be I like. Because in so First John, it says, as Jesus should. is, so are we in this world. So technically, okay. we are Jesus. Right. And he, this guy knows that. But mm. I think maybe he was hurt somewhere where he's, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we get in our feelings about stuff. And so I think um, that is important because I think there are a lot of people that are on different sides of this. Mm-hmm. So if emotionally, because you can only... There's, looking at Joyce Myers, you can mm-hmm. only imagine what it was like to have her father do that to her mm-hmm. and her have to take care of him when he was older or to still love him when he basically molested her. Mm-hmm. And, and this is your biological father. Right. And so he did this for years. Right. But yet you have to face the fact that you're going to love him in spite of, I, can know, I can't imagine that. So, but she did it, right? And so, and it's it's a concept that we struggle with our faith of, of trying to love people unconditionally, and people are sometimes going to intentionally try to hurt you, and and just having that conversation. What do you do? You disagree or agree? Do you think we should keep these people in our lives? Do we get rid of them? Like, how do you feel about? And I'm sure you have some. Man, you've I all got, been hurt. Yeah, I got a lot of. Uh, it's. Uh, I have multiple perspectives on this. So the first is, I understand the concept, and I believe in the concept of, if someone asks asks for forgiveness, that you should forgive them. I be- honestly believe that if someone hurts you and they ask for forgiveness, it is your job to forgive them. Um. I also believe that if someone does not ask for forgiveness, you still need to let it go. You can't harp or harbor resentment towards that person because it kills you and not them. 
it doesn't hurt them that you don't like them or you you're deading them or whatever the case may be. But what I will say is there are relationships that I have had I've had um, that I you know that have been put on pause or have been put to the shelf for the simple fact is I don't like the way that I've been treated and I will not continue to be treated the way I have been treated. So I, I don't know if I'm saying I'm deading them, but I'm more more so saying if you don't change the way you interact with me, we're not going to interact. Um, and sometimes that happens and the person gets it and things are back to normal. Sometimes it happens and the person doesn't get it. And you may make a you may make an effort of good faith at one point in time and it just then it happens again and then it happens again and then it happens again. And it's like, look, man, I've. I've told you I do not like this behavior. You're continuing to make this behavior happen, and I am no longer interested in being hurt by this behavior anymore. And now I'm going to remove myself from this situation. Now, personally, I'm kind of in between because, like, I think about the fact that, like, when, like, Jesus says to Peter, I think it was, or to one of the disciples, he's like, the disciples like, yo, my brother keeps offending me. How many times should I forgive him? Seven times. And Jesus says seven times 77 or 70 times seven is the number of times you should get forgive him. But that was because the brother was coming back for forgiveness, asking for forgiveness. And it was saying, hey, if you have an issue with your brother, you should go to your brother. And then if that doesn't work, you need to go to your brother with a friend. And then if that doesn't work, then you go before the church and say, yo, I went, I've been trying to resolve this. And if that don't work, then forget him. That's the process. The issue that I've had in my life is that I have relationships with people. or The person I'm thinking about, like I've, I had a relationship for a while. Um, and what I realized was nobody wanted to, nobody that was a mutual friend was willing to be the go-between. And maybe I never put myself in a position or no one else was open enough to do that for me and just be in position to say, look, we're going to resolve this today or um, then go in front of other like that's that was my issue. And we don't really have a way, at least I don't have a way to resolve those issues where there's an impasse and a non-biased party needs to come in and resolve it. That was that's what I've seen. And so because I don't have that, sometimes it's like, look, man, the energy that it takes to maintain this is not worth it to me anymore. So I'm going to have to move on. I know you probably don't feel like and that, I, but that's the no, I I think that it does have context because it's one thing to keep someone around and you're like, you know, it's coming. Like somebody's like a thief, like, mm -hmm. nah, man, this guy's coming in. He's still, is he still stealing? Yeah, he's going to steal everything. Right. Uh, so I'm going to lock everything up. If, you know, he could, this person could be mad. He or she could be mad. If you're a klepto, right. you're going to steal. So it's like, why are you mad? This is what you do now. Right. You change. Okay, I'll leave it unlocked. So it's like if this person is emotionally like, okay, they're petty, so they're going to do these petty little things to try to hurt your feelings. Then for me, I'm already aware. Mm -hmm. So I'm ignoring you in regards to do I cut you out or like, do I not talk to you? So my personality is for people that do those things, I don't take you serious because okay. this is where your head is. So for me, no disrespect, but I kind of have the, uh, it's one thing that comes to my head sometimes where it, it may be a bit smug or arrogant where it's like uh coming to america where our city hall is like yo they got our stuff and you know eddie murphy was like you know let them have it like princely robes like we're kings queens all this type of mentality so mm -hmm. if you're not on the level of maturity that i consider myself then it, it may sound disrespectful you're beneath me. 
So why would I take anything you say seriously because it does not add value? So you're, so, you're basically saying if, if someone acts like a child, you're going to put them in a position that you put a child, like nothing you do is serious. You're, yeah, you're a kid. Right. Yeah. Why, why Why? would I waste my maturity to come down to your level of we, once I figure it out? I may challenge you in the beginning, then I start to understand personality. Then I say, oh, okay, this is who this person is. They're only trying to create negativity. Or they're only trying to get a rock. And so once I figure out who you are, I let you be, you can be with yourself. A fool belongs with the fool. So I won't entertain you. So I'll have a conversation with you. I'm not going to cut you out per se, mm-hmm. but I just treat you until you grow. I will treat you as you are, you know, and not disrespectfully, but you are who you are. You know what I'm saying? If yep. you're a pest, then you're a pest. You know, if you are somebody who likes to get people upset, you're temperamental, you're always angry, you know, I have to leave it to yourself. I think that that works for associates, people that aren't necessarily close to you. But that's hard to do with, like, your very, very close circle. Like, hypothetically, like, if you have a really, really close friend that always hits on your lady, like, at some point, you're not going to want to be around them anymore. Like, if that's all they do, like, when they're around you from time to time, they hit on your lady and you're like, yo, stop hitting on my lady and they keep doing it, like that changes your relationship with that individual you see what i'm saying so how would you approach someone in your inner circle who does that because that's really the that's the really the real issue because people that are nobodies to you to some degree they're easy to just put in a category of oh yeah they don't know no better well yeah that's a see that's a conflict too and and i would hope at least i don't see Myself being, I will first of all come from somebody. <laughs> you're my friend, and you're coming from my significant other. Well, maybe they're People hitting on your lady been... in a way that's not like they tr- like they just flirting with them, but they're not, you know, in their mind they think it's harmless. I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's not something like, where you would about you say to like Martin them. and Pam. No, I mean like, like for example, let's say your lady got on an, a, a dress that is um, a little form fitting or a little revealing. And your friend is like, oh, that dress look nice on you, girl. And, and and that kind of way, like, oh, I see, you know what I'm saying? I didn't know you was working with all of that. You know what I'm saying? Saying stuff like that, like, oh, hello. I didn't know the girls was out today. They look nice. They came out to play or something. I don't know. That's corny. But the point. That, I don't know. I, you see what I'm saying? Like, I feel you. Like, yeah, I hear what you're saying. But I feel like occasionally you may have an uncle who does that. And if that's their personality, as long as my significant other, my wife, my girlfriend knows, like, that's my nasty uncle or that's my flirty cousin or whatever it is. I'm talking about a friend. I'm talking about a friend that doesn't do a friend, a friend who does that. That is a choice. If they're flirt. Right. So here's what I'll say. If they're flirting, I know that. And I know that they're not a flirt. They do it. They just. So let's let's say if they like my girl, then we got a problem. If it's for real, for real, like you, maybe it's not even. You think she? Maybe like I'll say like this. Let's just say hypothetically, your girl got a, your girl has a big butt, and your friend likes girls with big butts, and he's not, he he never showed any interest in your girl beforehand, but your girl wore something where he could see her butt, and so now he's in a scenario where he's seeing what he likes to see, and because he's already friends with your girl, because he's friends with you. He says some stuff that ain't really cool to say. And 
then he the, the first time you're like okay i'm gonna let it slide the second time he does it on a different occasion you know he says something else you know that he's not making a real pass at your girl but he's saying some stuff that is low-key disrespectful because he knows that's your girl oh so wow so that is it's so that's an intention on her to try to come for yeah but it's, he's person as a friend he ain't really worried about the girl he worried about trying to irritate well it, the, it could be the it, boyfriend or the husband it could be whatever. it could be that it could be that he don't care it could be that what he you know what i'm saying like it could be that he wants he if you mess up he just wants to be he wants to have his shot you know what i'm saying it could be whatever the case may be Whoa, you know what i'm saying waiting in the corner one of those guys huh well i'm just yeah, i'm um, just saying like there are people that do and say things not necessarily with an intention to be negative but they do and say things that are hurtful and are inappropriate and, and you would say that both these individuals, the the girlfriend or the wife, feels the same way that the guy does, as far as the remarks that this guy is making. Yeah, he's, she's like, I don't like that. I know he's your friend, yeah, but he, he's he, crossing the like. And in, in, like, if someone offends you like that, and it makes you mad, and they keep doing it, are you gonna dead them, or are you gonna be like, you know what? I'm gonna forgive you, and we're gonna work through this, or I'm we're gonna. You know, what are you going to do then? Because I'm not, if, if somebody keeps hitting on my wife, I'm either going to hit them, I'm going to argue with them, and ultimately I'm probably not going to have them around my wife anymore, Let a, and maybe not even around me anymore. So I would say that the context, this is why, you know, even though I thought initially my point came off as black and white, but there is space for that gray area where this person is not really a friend to me because they're creating tension because if you're really my friend you don't want to wait in line for my who mm -hmm. i'm with because we're you're not just friends with me but you're friends with that person mm -hmm. you're, you're actually attracted to this person and you're actually trying to get this person it's another thing for people to find whose wives and girlfriends attractive like that happens like oh man my sister-in-law bro she's so bad right. and it's like that's still my brother right, right. it's, it's yes, you not she's she's become off limits now different. she's she's completely unavailable to you no matter what happens right. next no matter how bad she is it just it just is what it is but right. i can compliment the fact that man he has a good taste right but it's another thing that guy the reason that that person gets removed is because they don't belong there to me that puts that person back into that category as a nobody to me okay because so they you're, these, you're this, not okay. sincere now I understand where you so basically you're saying that once you show me a quality that proves that you really aren't worthy of being in my inner circle, you're no longer in my inner circle. Then mm -hmm. thus, you because you're not in my it. inner circle, I don't care what you do anymore because you're a nobody to me. Or you, you're, if you act like a child, I'll treat you like a child type of thing. Right. And in that context, mm. that person needs to get checked. Right. I mean, because right by both. Because they need to know from both people. Because yeah, because if the guy it. does it and the woman doesn't, the guy saying, "Oh, she likes it. Why are you gonna tell me to stop?" And then if the the girl says stop and the guy doesn't, there's no the the man has proven that he does not care, and now he's got the dude's like, "Well, I can keep doing this because no one's really gonna stop me. She's just gonna complain." Right. And I think it's a good example because I think it brings it back to especially i'm assuming this is in the faith-based context mm -hmm. and if there are people in the faith that like to flirt and i think there's a level of respect you gotta have so i think as christians we take this conversation 
uh, these two people take it to this quote unquote friend of theirs mm-hmm. and this where we we do like you know we offer these um this piece first before we get rid of this person it's like hey we don't like that you're doing it right like, we think it's disrespectful i think it's just and so does she right. so we need you to stop especially right. as our friend if you are our friend right. and then the person was like nah you know just da, 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 y'all taking it then it's like well then you're not a true friend right and there's no disrespect i do love you but i cannot i can't um, be friends with you be cool with yeah. you right because you're you're rude and you don't see the error in your ways right. when i'm trying to help you because nobody's agreeing with you you know it's one thing if the husband or the wife was like ah oh, it's not a big deal because then that would be an issue between the the two people together but they're on the same page with this other person mm-hmm. and so it's almost like the individual from uh remember why they get married the guy the bad guy who was with jill scott actually like, never saw that whole movie the wood. you never saw it so i've seen part of, of it never the whole thing but i thought that he, yeah because the yeah you're right because he was like he, he was, was married jerk. to Jill Nobody Scott, but asked. he was flirting with somebody else, and he had a side chick, right? And brought and the side chick to the to thing, everybody. right? Right, right. And he was disrespectful to all the women, right? You know what I'm saying? Except so, for the side chick, like, right? Maybe he was disrespectful to the yes. side chick. No, she used to spend his money, mm-hmm. but no. the guys were cool with him until he started to show disrespect for them as well, mm-hmm. and so um, he kind of lost for a minute. He lost everybody until he came to until he. He came to the point where he realized, you know, where he was messing up. And a little bit, he realized that. So mm-hmm. I think in these type of situations, context do matter. Mm-hmm. And I think if something like that is a, a good scenario because it definitely allows you to bring in context because sometimes it can be simple. Just like you said, uh, people are not in your inner circle. What if this person is a relative or mm-hmm. someone you consider to be a friend? How do you go about dealing with that in a faith-based manner? And I think that's when we address them. Like, this is not appropriate for us um, as believers and just appropriate to us as friends. So right. if you can't stop this, then we're going to have to stop having you around us. Right. We don't need to be around you Yeah. until you say otherwise. But I'm not just going to completely shut the door um, because you need to have room that if you do change, right. you have a platform for you to return. You know, the thing for me is, like, most of my issues with people come from the realm of disrespect. I can let a lot of stuff slide, but once I know that you intentionally disrespect me and I and I've made let you know that you've disrespected me and it continues to happen, I'm no longer interested in being your friend until you come back and be like, "Yo, my bad. I made a mistake. Mistake. I shouldn't have said or did what I said or did. Um, can you forgive me?" Like that's where I am. Like I can let a lot of stuff go. But once you you blatantly disrespect me and I come to you and say, yo, you crossed the line and it's you can't and you still feel like it's OK to disrespect me. We have we have no we have no more interest. I have no longer I no longer have interest in being cool with you. Because to me, friendships start on the ba- basis of mutual respect. So, yeah, I agree. And I think that's why it was a good point. You got a great topic. I appreciate that. Yeah. That example was perfect because it brings it to the point of trying to like, that was a tough one to kind of have to decipher between because sometimes I think for me it could be pretty simple between like, okay, I don't care what you're, who are you to me in regards to my upliftment or I don't mind criticism, but if if your intent is not to tear me down to build me up and you're just being an honest person and an honest friend Mm because sometimes yes, people can be 
just as bad as people that are uh, uh, I, I, negative. Right. I, I, so I, I Kanye West. Yeah. Um, so you need you need the real people in your life. Yeah. You don't need pessimists. Right. You know. You need a balance, and I'm with you on that. But you know what? This has been this has been a pretty good conversation. I'm looking forward to our next one. Um, you know what? Thanks you guys for checking out the Trump Speak podcast. Catch us on the next episode. 